afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Port here on 970 WDAY. Good afternoon, Nateel. How are you? Doing pretty good. It's a little warmer in the studio today than usual. Normally, we could just, you know, hang meat in here. But today, it's pleasantly warm. Who got their hands on the thermostat? I don't know, but I don't think most of the people in this studio are complaining, considering that we're usually freezing our butts off. Maybe it has something to do with the fact that it's been, oh, I don't know, like super cloudy all day. Who made this Wednesday so gloomy? I don't know. There's been a lot of gloomy weather lately. (laughs) All right. uh, We have Congressman Kevin Kramer coming on a little bit later in the show, obviously, because it's Wednesday and we always do an open phone segment with him. You can ask him whatever the hell you want. You can call in 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. You can email your questions in talk at WDAY.com and uh, we'll have him on. Um, but right now, I, I want to talk about something. And until you know, I, I talk a lot about social media, and I'm—I've got a love-hate relationship with it. Obviously, I came up. Um, I started a blog 13 years ago, uh, and you know, started writing on the internet. The internet's been good to me, right? I, I make my living out of writing on the internet. I, I'm a digital guy, and internet and social media has been good to me. I, I think they're very powerful tools. I think you could do a lot of good with them. Um. But I, I think there's a there's a there's definitely a very big downside. There's a lot of cons to it, uh, and I think I've talked a lot about that. I, I, I think social media at times could create a sort of hive mentality. I think sometimes you see you know little lynch mobs form around certain inch issues. It's it doesn't always promote very healthy behaviors, uh, and I, I I think some of the effects it's having on society are a little frightening at times. Which brings me to a story. And, Nathiel, maybe you've seen this. Uh, the couple out of Minnesota where the woman ended up killing her boyfriend while trying to film a YouTube stunt. Did you hear about this story? I did. And this whole stunt phenomenon has gotten m- more than just this particular couple in trouble. I haven't heard of anybody else dying, but there was a family that got themselves into a lot of trouble over a stunt-based YouTube channel. Yeah, the da- child- Daddy-O5. Daddy-O5, yeah, with child gonna, abuse allegations. That's right. I was going to talk about that as well. The situation in Minnesota, if you haven't heard, uh, it's uh, a couple. He's 22. She's 19. Her name's Mona Lisa Perez. Uh, he was Pedro Ruiz III. Uh, they were making a YouTube video, and she ended up shooting him in the chest. And and what the I guess what the stunt was supposed to be is he was going to... Uh, hold a book to his chest. He did hold a book to his chest, and she fired a gun into the book, and the book was supposed to stop the bullet. And he convinced her to do this by showing her a book that he had already shot where the bullet ended up not going all the way through the book. Uh, So they did it, uh, and she uh, allegedly shot him and in in through the book, but the bullet went all the way through the book and hit him in the chest, and he's dead now. She's pregnant. They also had a three-year-old child together. The three-year-old child witnessed the death. And I I think, I mean, this isn't some random incident because I I think what social media has done, and by the way, the the other YouTube channel that that Natil was just talking about is Daddy05. I think most of their videos on their channel are down now, but if if you Google it, you could find out what it was all about. But essentially it was two parents that were pranking their kids, only the pranks weren't that funny. They were scaring their children. Uh, the kids were physically harming each other. There was a lot of ugly things that were happening on that YouTube channel in the name of getting clicks, in the name of videos going viral, getting views, getting ad revenue. 
because you can make a lot. If you catch on, you can make a not insignificant amount of money doing that. So, you know, they got in trouble. They went too far. The fame got to them. And I, I, I think overall, this impacts people's attitudes about social media. I see people all the time who are reacting to things not so much as, well, something happens to them and they see it not as an opportunity to, well, they see it as an opportunity to put it on social media and get a bunch of likes or get a bunch of retweets or, or whatever whatever medium you're on, get a bunch of views if you're on YouTube, whatever it is. It's almost like that's the end goal in everything now, right? It's It's all about how many followers can I get? How many friends can I get? How many likes can I get? How many retweets can I get? And that's it. And and we're not talking, I mean, the, the media with all oh, clickbait and everything else. And, and, yeah, that's a thing. But I'm talking just average, everyday people who in their interactions in daily life, I, I don't know how many times I have a situation where I'll see a friend or something post about, some bad service they got at a, like a coffee shop or a restaurant or a service station, something like that. They got some bad service. And so they come out of there, and the first thing they do is they post about it on Facebook. And, and I, I always look for evidence. Did they talk to the manager? Did they tell them that they were getting bad service? I mean, was there any interact? Did you attempt to solve the problem there instead of resorting immediately to public shaming? Why are you doing this? I mean, why, 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 do, why do people have this impulse? And, and the only thing I can think of is that it's, it's gratifying, right? It's, it's gratifying to get that attention. It's gratifying to become Internet famous, right? And, and I know it. I mean, I, I feel it. I mean, honestly, I've been running a blog for 13 years. I know all about that. When you get big traffic numbers, when you get lots of clicks, it makes you feel good, makes you feel important, makes you feel powerful. But I don't think I don't think human beings were intended to be sort of curators or or, or, or the producers of their own re- little reality shows, right? I mean, it almost seems like that's what it's becoming, where everybody is living their own little reality show, and our social media platforms are the outlets, right? And, and we're broadcasting all this stuff to the world at large, and it's almost like be, you know making things happen in our reality show becomes more important than just living our lives. What do you think? Do you agree or, or do you think I'm wrong? 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. I, I'm telling you, some of this stuff, it's, it's starting to get dangerous. It's starting to get scary. And I think it's something society is going to have to deal with. Love to hear what you think, though. We'll be right back after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob. Report on 970 WDAY, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. I, I don't know. I, social media, and we, we need to be careful not to turn this into like a teen panic, right? I, I don't want to sound like parents in the 1950s railing about the evils of, you know, rock and roll or parents in the Victorian era, you know, railing about the, the deleterious effects of novels. Right? Did you know that was a thing, Natil? I, I read there was an article, and it was railing against this this um, this this new trend in kids reading novels, uh, fiction novels that was you know 
making their brains mush and everything else, right? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. When I, I took um, a lot of literature courses in college because I have a degree in English as well as mass communications. And that was one of the things we talked about. The, the penny novels were right. a penny because it was the only way to get people to read them. Right. Yeah. And it used to be, I mean, they used to view those, those sort of books as like television, right? Oh, was, right? Like, like, like parents of another generation viewed, you know, television or comic books or whatever. Like it was going to rot your brain or whatever. And, you know, I, as we're finding out, a lot of the, the panic about these new mediums or these new whatever, new fads, new trends, like, like people freaking out about the fidget spinners there for a while, right? There are all these scary stories about them and whatever. Uh, so there's that. But social media, I think, its impact on society, I think, is maybe more profound than some of these other things. I think its impacts are more perverse, pervasive, excuse me, not so much perverse, but pervasive, and maybe perverse in some ways. But it's just, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's necessarily a positive thing. I, I think a lot of people are... are a lot of people are getting very unhealthy attitudes about social media and seem to be living more for social media than their actual lives. But I'd love to hear what you think. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Caller, Ken, what's up? You know, there was a movie that wasn't that long ago with um, called The Truman Show with Jim Carrey. Right, and yeah. It was all about a guy who was trapped in a world. He didn't know it, but the entire world was, was, was watching his every move. And what we've got now is, is, is a Truman Show, but you're, it's, it's the opposite. It's right. Everybody wants to be on the television you know, or the Internet or someone watching them all the time. And it's, it's, it's the flip side of the coin, but just as perverse as a thought of, I'm living my life for someone to watch me all the time, not a performance like someone who was a ballet dancer or a singer, but just that, you know, for me, I'm not on it, and I don't care, and I don't think anybody would care much about what I do. So, you know, I just I just try to do things, and I'll take a photograph here and there. I mean, everybody wants to maybe have a memory, but I don't have a compulsion. I guess it's my age. I don't have a compulsion that everybody needs to be interested in what I had for lunch. Or, you know, what I'm doing this minute, right. getting out of my car and buying some vitamins. I mean, what? who's got enough time to keep up with everybody on what they're doing and still live a life? Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, 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 it's like a certain sort of narcissism, right, that yeah. comes from it. Like this, this idea that, and listen, I don't want to get down on people for sharing pictures of their kids or sharing pictures no, of, right. you know, whatever. I mean, I... I get it. It's fun. You have a group of friends. You know, you like keeping up. And, and social media is very, very nice for being able to keep up, particularly maybe with family who live a distance off, and you can kind of see what they're up to on their day-to-day -day life. I mean, in a lot of ways, that stuff is good. I think where it's it gets to be... the nth degree when you take it to the nth degree and run it out, and then you right. get people shooting themselves in the chest. Or Right. Well, well, yeah. I mean, do, doing doing wild or, or dangerous or irresponsible things just to get attention, just to get those those clicks. You know, that's an extreme example. But also, I, I, I worry like where we, we turn to Facebook with our issues instead of turning to each other. Right. So if you have a bad experience in a business or something, instead of talking to that business and trying to find resolution well, with them, you try to publicly shame them or and I see this all the time without any social skills and you don't talk to anyone. That is the only thing, you know, if you are wronged, 
that is your outlet, and it's the only one you know. You don't know to go to the manager and say, you know, that sandwich wasn't very good, or I waited 20 minutes. Hey, you know, or you gave me the wrong change. No, you, there's no confrontation there. It's just I'm going to go and I'm going to blab whatever it is, and, and then no one can ever come back to me and say, well, you know, I'm sorry about that wait, you know, and, and, and work things out. Yeah, and and also I I even see it like on a personal level, like all the time, you know, I'll be looking at my social media feeds, and I will see people that I know airing their dirty laundry in public, like it's a you know they're having a fight at home or they're having issues with with whatever, and all of a sudden it's like we've invited Facebook into the middle of this, and it's scratch. Why would you want to do that? Why are you putting this stuff on social media other than to get attention? Or other than, I, I, I guess, to, to you think you're titillating your friends and you're going to get a bunch of sympathy or whatever. I, I don't like that impulse, that, that, that impulse where I'm going to put, you know, these private things out there or whatever to, j- just to get attention. I, I don't think that's a good thing. Thanks there for the call. There needs to be some sort of shaming mechanism that, that's, that's concise, something like jump the shark, where you can somebody could just say, you know, Hey, hey can, can know, it not take, you know? Yeah, <laughs> take this stuff off Facebook. Thanks for the call, Ken. I want to keep moving here. Uh, Scott, you're up next. Yeah, hi, buddy. Say, I'm glad you're talking about this. You know, human beings are social creatures. Look at our society. Look who the jury is. It's all of us. So when you reach out for help from others, people are saying, or attention from others, it's just like our society is built. It's attention. And that's pretty much a normal thing, whether it be good or bad or I need help, or I'm being wronged, or let's array this guy. That's why we elect the president. Now, well, what we really need is, in this, in this social environment, is an idea on how people should act as an adult, as a grown-up. I don't. I, I don't know, Scott. I, I, I hate. I hate to cut that. you off. I hate to cut you off because I want to sneak Mike in here too. But I. I don't know. I, I think some people do it for attention, and I think that's the wrong motivator. Thanks for the call, Scott. Uh, oh, well, I guess we lost Mike. Mike, uh, call back in uh, if you want to. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. To go back to Scott's point, you know, he's saying it's it's sort of a normal human impulse to want to we're, we're social creatures that's true and the impulse is to want to share things right to want to go out there and share things with other people i i get it but i mean it used to be most of us didn't have access to a platform that potentially millions of people could see something that we write i, I think that's the different thing uh we got mike back go ahead mike what's up hey rob um you know with people doing stupid things to get attention uh, there was a certain individual that got a lot really famous for doing dumb stuff, and that was uh, Johnny Knoxville. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, he they see, but, him but he also did it. He also did it like money with, and getting all this fame yeah. for doing absolutely stupid things. Yeah, and that's I mean that is what it is. I, I would argue. I mean, to to a degree, they had like they had like medics on hand. You know what I mean? Like it seemed like they had a degree of. They brought yeah, a degree you, of professionalism to the jackassery. I'm, I'm not necessarily condoning. I, I know what you're saying. I, I just worry, again, I don't think we were all meant to be stars in our own little online reality show, and I think what, that's what it's becoming, and it's getting unhealthy. Thanks for the call, Mike. I got to go. Congressman Kevin Kramer, coming up next. Don't go away.
Welcome back. Rob Report here on 970 WDAY. It's our open phone segment with uh, Congressman Kevin Kramer, who we are just uh, getting on the line here in a moment. Until you'll let me know when uh, he's ready. He's on have with him you here. right now. All right. Congressman Kevin Kramer, uh, welcome to our show. We've actually already got two callers who are patiently waiting for you. Awesome. I'm ready. All right. Let's get right to them. We're going to go to John. We're going to go to John first. You're on with the congressman. What's up? Good afternoon, hey, congressman. Hi, John. Uh, I'll tell you, I'm scratching my head in, in relation to the uh, uh, incident on the ball field in uh, Virginia here a couple of weeks ago. And uh-huh. This relates to HB 38, and I'll kind of phrase all this to you, and then I'll have to hang up because I have, I have to drive for a living, so I'll have to listen to your response on the radio. But basically, as I view it, when are we going to get Congress to actually start working together on a bipartisan level? Because I look at HB 38, I see at last count 200 representatives signed on to co-sponsor it, 197 of which are Republican and three Democrats. And then I hear them on the radio saying, well, maybe we need to pass a special bill so we can carry in Washington, D.C. incident. And, 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 and is it just me, Kevin? Or does it seem like when it comes to me, the common citizen, getting my rights to carry that I take a backseat to those I send to Washington? Thank you, sir. Sure. So I want to make sure I'm understanding. So I'm going to reiterate what I think he's referencing. I was having a hard time hearing him, Rob. But so I think he was talking about um, the concealed carry reciprocity and then now talk of a, of a you know, allowing members to carry in the District of Columbia, which, by the way, as, as I'm sure the caller knows, is a you know is against the law here. I mean, gun laws are very strict in District of Columbia. Now, this did happen in Virginia, however, so we need to also acknowledge that. But obviously, our members weren't carrying guns. Fortunately, we had three police officers there uh, because of Steve Scalise was there. Uh, but all of that said. There's nothing that happened in Virginia or the response by members that would have any impact on the um, our ability or, or drive, if you will, to pass reciprocity for the common citizen. The Second Amendment is a guarantee, uh, you know, to all members of uh, of the American society of the, uh, that are United States citizens, not just citizens of one particular state or another. That's my conviction about it. Um, you know, a shooting like this, obviously, it, it, that's very specific, has a you know, causes people to consider different things. But um, all, all of that said, uh, the shooting has nothing, should have no bearing on whether or not we pass reciprocity. And I think we will pass it in the House. Uh, and everything, I, everything I hear is that we're well on our way. HB 38 is, in fact, the uh, concealed carry reciprocity bill. So that okay. is the, uh, the legislation you're referring to. Yeah, all right. Okay. If you, uh, anybody else wants to join in, you can uh, ask any comment, any question you want, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, or email them in, talk at WDAY.com. Uh, we have Tom next. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah, hello. Um, my question is for Kramer is, uh, okay, now the health care bill, uh, do you think that's uh, – important it's an urgent thing that needs to be taken care of for one thing the second thing is how do you feel about uh, how come uh, uh, mcconnell will not work with the democrats who refuses to do so uh okay and yeah. if it is it is it important isn't it urgent deal to for people that don't have insurance across the country in some places that that you don't have something for these people so sure. they can get health sure. coverage 
Yeah, let's, let's thing, let, yeah. Oh, okay, well, go ahead. Last, last thing, Tom, then we'll let the congressman then, answer. Then, okay, go ahead. Oh, well, okay, go ahead, Kevin. So I would say, because he raised a couple of questions. First of all, with regard to the urgency, I believe it is urgent. As we just learned last week, Anthem, largest insurer in Indiana, is pulling out much of Indiana, same with Wisconsin. Prior to that, it was another company in Iowa. We're down now to where 40% of the counties in the country only have one insurer, and several counties in growing will have none. So, yes, is there urgency? And, and to his, Tom made the point that, you know, for, from people who can't get insurance or for whom it's too expensive or they have to get some insurance that doesn't do them any good, it is urgent to those people. His second point about whether about Senator McConnell working with Democrats, one of the things that's a little bit different from their, what their their process versus the House process, we started so much earlier, and so and and so while we've had hearings for six or seven years, we did have a 27-hour markup on our bill where we voted on dozens of amendments, and uh, and so that we at least had that. It's a little more, was a little more of a transparent process. That said, I think we also have to acknowledge that over the last several years, the Senate has also had hearings, or at least the last couple of years, the Senate has had lots of hearings on, on health care, and um, you know, it's not like it's been without, without some due process. All of that said, um, I do also want to encourage, like, for example, today we're going to vote in the House on a medical malpractice bill. This is something that a lot of people have been asking for. Uh, this will help bring costs down. In fact, some people say, say, some reports say, save tens of billions, if not hundreds of billions of dollars over the course of uh, of ten years. It's common sense reforms, much like North Dakota did a long time ago, but caps non-economic um, awards to two hundred fifty thousand. It you know makes sure it eliminates some of the contingency funding for lawyers and it removes some of that you know sue at all costs, uh, you know, trend that we see in this in this country. Um, we've already passed in the House, for example, a, a COPA, uh, uh, bipartisan bill with over 400 votes to uh, apply antitrust measures to the health insurance industry, which it, they haven't been done before. We passed a bipartisan vote in the House, a bill that allows associations to, to use association membership and and form large buying pools and insurance pools, and that that association might be the you know the uh, NRA, it might be the small market national or broadcasters, it might be restaurant association, and that's not allowed under Obamacare. Uh, you have to be a large employer, but we can we're allowing association plans through and by by the way across uh, state lines. So. And that's all bipartisan. So a lot of that stuff's taking place on the House side. I can't speak necessarily to the Senate side, except to tell you that there has not been over the years, well, we've passed these things before, there's not been over the years a willingness for Senate Democrats to, to help. And those kinds of votes, those policy votes, require 60 votes in the Senate, whereas the bill that Mitch McConnell's taken up to, you know, to um, repeal and replace much of Obamacare is confined to a very narrow rules, mainly Senate rules, uh, under budget reconciliation, so you can use 51 votes, but it does limit, you know, it does limit the policy uh, the offerings that you can have in a bill like that. So, Tom, um, I think I think you had a little bit more, and then I want to move on to Brad. Yeah. Go ahead, Tom. Sure. Okay. Um, okay. Are you prepared then to vote for whatever the Senate uh, comes up with, and um, will that be before the Fourth of July? And what about, like I said, <laughs> yeah. is there? I know there was a plan. That the the Democrats had, they were kind of putting together to help people uh -huh. like an emergency situation where they do not have any health coverage at all. 
something like an extension yeah. of Medicaid, yeah. I believe. Okay, thank, thanks. Sure. We'll, we'll, let the, okay, good, good. we'll, we'll let yeah, the congressman no, answer, then we got to move appreciate on. the question. So with regard to am I prepared to vote for anything the Senate passes, I, I would not ever say. My default is always no. So until I see the bill and understand it better uh, and apply it you know, to, to you know, the balance of circumstances, um, I'm not prepared to say I would vote for it. Um, uh, that said, this is the art of the possible, and so we have to see what they can come up with and what's doable. It certainly won't be identical to the House bill. I, just so people know, the Senate bill, while it is really quite similar to the House bill, it uses many of the same tools, but it uses them a little differently. It, it, it puts a little more emphasis on the lower income with regard to the, to the, uh, uh, you know, the, the tax credits. So our bill, it, it, it's heavy, weighs heavy in the credits for older people in the individual market as opposed to, so it's more age, I guess, Weighed, weighted versus um, wage, uh, weighted. The uh, other thing about the Senate bill, while it uses, while it rolls back Medicaid expansion, it, it does include, keep it going for a year longer than ours, and then it has a, a, a more of a transition out of it, so it's not quite as abrupt as, as the House plan. All right, let's uh, move on. we got another caller, Brad. What's up, Brad? Yeah, I just have a question for, for the congressman. It's, it's simple, and then I'm just going to let you go so I can listen to the answer. Sure. But when it comes to health care and health insurance, I feel like neither the Democrats or the Republicans are addressing what I think, you know, and I think a lot of people think is what the real issue is, and that comes down to why is the cost of health care so high? I know, like, mm-hmm. when you were saying earlier about attorneys and lawsuits, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But, mm-hmm. I mean, to me, with going through health care the way we are, it seems like the same issue on the Democrat side where they want to take care of people's student loans, but they don't want to fix the cost of higher education, which is the real issue. Sure, sure. Okay, give me one second. I've got to go in and vote on this markup, and I'll be right back. <laughs> right. Well, I guess... Yeah, uh, I know. I'm that's the way to dodge a question. <laughs> I know. No, I will get to the question. I just have to... I do have to vote. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Brad, I guess we'll wait while the congressman goes and uh, votes on legislation. Um, and hopefully he'll be uh, back and answer your question. we got another caller, uh, Bob, waiting patiently. Hold on, Bob. We'll get to you. But uh, the congressman currently voting <laughs> right now, uh, which I, I, I guess he's a busy guy, so we should be thankful he makes time for us. And uh, I tell you what, we're going to take a break. We'll come right back with the congressman. Uh, Brad, hold on. We'll have him answer your question after. Then we'll get to Bob. This is the Rob Report on 970 WDAY. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report. We're on with uh, Congressman Kevin Kramer, his weekly open phone segment. Your comments, your questions, 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, Congressman, you had to run and uh, do a vote, but before the break. I, I did. Yeah, Brad. Brad I'm going ba- to have to again, but I'm, I'm going to try to answer Brad's question before I go sure. in there. I'll, I'll let everyone vote, and I'll go in and vote before they close the key quickly. Okay. It's actually a, an energy markup, just so everyone knows. In energy and commerce, we're, we're doing a huge markup today, which is passing a bill out of passing in multiple bills out of the committee. But one of them that we passed, somebody asked earlier about bipartisan. We, If you can imagine, you guys, we, we pass with a unanimous roll call vote um, a, a bill that reauthorizes Yucca Mountain for um, nuclear waste storage and and, uh, and pass the uh, update to the Nuclear Waste Policy Act, which is, is, is this is something we've been after, the Congress has been after for months, for, for months, for decades. 
and it got stalled several years ago, and it's back on track. And it's amazing to see the type of effort that's gone into to that because nuclear power is something we, you know, we invented, and then we we sort of acquiesced. We asked our uh, authority and leadership on it to other countries, and now we hope to get it back because uh, it's you know it's clearly uh, an abundant. Yeah. Uh, fuel source that, that provides no emissions. If, if so, sounds sounds like sounds matter. like good good progress. Uh, Brad's question it's was what, what, why, why yeah. not why not address the cost of health care? Yeah, yeah. So 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 the, the bill that we're passing today, and he, as he acknowledged, is one of those things: the Protecting Access to Care Act, which is a medical malpractice bill. The other things we're doing in our American Health Care Act, in fact, one of the things we're trying to restore is that marketplace that creates competition to bring down costs by using tax credits and and and, and enhancing. Yeah, good. And, and enhancing um, the, the uh, use of enhancing um, medical savings or health savings accounts, which again puts the money in the hands of the consumer and, and should help drive down costs. Another important area that's going to have to be in that phase three piece is using the power of the buying power of the, of the federal government, especially, of course, Medicare, which is such a huge, huge. Uh, component of healthcare in this country to bring down the costs of, of prescription drugs. So those are a few of the things we can do. But just trying to bring by the use of tax credits, why not bring uh, medicine back into the uh, competitive realm? Do you have quite time for one more question, Bob? Real quick. <laughs> sure, go ahead. All right, let's let's get Bob in. Uh, we're running out of time, Bob. So real quick. I just want to know the update of your, uh, I apologize, I don't remember the name of your friend who was shot on the ball field, but uh, is there an update on his health condition? Thank you. Yeah, yeah he's doing quite well. Thank you for asking. Um, he is doing quite well. Steve Scalise are with um, people. He's taking in um, visitors now, so everybody's doing very well. He's, we're very pleased. Prayers are being answered. All right. Well, Kevin, I know you got to rush off and vote, so we'll let you go. Thanks for your time today, as always. Thank you. That's uh, Congressman Kevin Kramer. Remember, you can always catch him here every Wednesday for an open phone segment. We had quite a few uh, questions today. You can email them in or or call them in, uh, certainly, so always appreciate that. Uh, making a lot of progress there. Uh, the Health care bill dominating everything. Uh, you know, I my column, my print column that's out today, based on my interview with uh, North Dakota Insurance Commissioner John Godfrey earlier this week, honestly, and I, I wish I wish I'd had, I'd had time to ask uh, the Congress, Congressman this, I think we ought to turn more of it back over to the states. I'm, I am, I am not certain that the federal government is capable of solving this problem. I don't think they could put together a bill good enough that could tackle this. I just don't. I think, I think, I, I think the goal of the federal government ought to be to do less on this front. Do less. Have the states do more. That's what, that's what, uh, Mr. Gottfried said earlier this week. He said, let the states regulate health insurance like they regulate all the other insurances. That makes a lot of sense to me. Let the states take the lead because I don't think we're solving this from the federal level. I think whatever comes out, it's going to leave a bunch of people out in the cold. It's going to leave a, a bunch of, a bunch of problems un, unaddressed. And the reason for that is, is because we're trying to pass one size fits all policy for a big diverse nation where one size fits all solutions just don't work. That's the problem. The problem, though, is that expecting that out of the federal government is going to take a degree of humility that they just don't have, right? I, I think it's hard for federal politicians to sit down and just say, you know what? We don't have the solutions. We don't have the solution for this. You're never going to hear that out of Washington, D.C., and I think that's the problem. I think that's the problem is they're not going to have the humility to say, you know what? The states ought to take it over. 
All right, that's it for me. State Representative Rick Becker, he thinks we have too many state universities in North Dakota. We'll talk with him about that tomorrow. I'm Rob Port. You can always catch me here 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday on 970 WDAY or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at SayAnythingBlog.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again. How could I ever call you mine? You're too